turn there, and then when you when you're there, please stand. And we're going to stay right in there. We'll move around a little bit into scriptures, but please stand in respect for the word of God. And we're going to read verses 23 through 26, and then verse 28. Psalm 73, verse number 23. The word of God says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire but thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Verse 28, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for thy word. We pray you'll add your blessing to it. Lord, meet the needs of us tonight. We're a needy people. And Lord, especially during this time period, we need to see more joy in Christians' lives. But Lord, our minds and our thinking has got to change. Our, our, our brains and are like sponges. And Lord, we walk around in the world and we see what's going on and we develop opinions. And Lord, many of it is not godly. But Lord, tonight as we remove the cares of this world, this life, tonight, we ask, Lord, as we come into thy presence, that you would speak to our hearts. That, Lord, we make decisions that will last for eternity. And, Lord, we can point back at this night, that, Lord, that you did something great in our lives. We ask now that you bless. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, Psalm 73, I believe the Lord deserves us to make wise choices for him. And we're going to read some verses now at the beginning of the psalm to give you some context. Because it is right for us to choose to stay with God. If you look in the scriptures, the Christians that lived in the scriptures, they did not live through always blessed times. It was difficult times. But one thing the Lord promises us, and he always lives up to his promises, is that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. You may feel that the Lord is nowhere around, that he doesn't care for you. You may feel that, but that's not the truth. Now, the devil wants you to focus on the things of the world so that you, your mind gets away from Christ. Because to be honest with you, people's minds are the devil's playground. And he will do things and tempt us and that to get our minds changed. Because if he can get corrupt our minds, our minds are the gateways to our souls. And if he can corrupt our minds, then the Bible says, if I meditate on certain things, that's why I meditate on Scripture, um, uh, memorize Scripture, singing about Scripture, that means you're getting it into your heart. And so that the, all the issues of life come out of my heart. That's why we focus on our hearts. Because when God looks on us, he, the first place he looks is our hearts. And he sees what's in there. We can't hide anything. Now, we think we can hide things from God, but we can't hide anything from God. We're open to Him. Now, we, we may close our hearts up and we we'll allow it to the course of the world to get hardened and uh, we'll be dissatisfied and we'll uh, think wrong things and we'll say wrong things and, and be discouraged and even spread that to others. But the Lord sees that it's open. We're open book. So tonight, let's look at something. 
The Bible tells us in verse number 1, it says, Truly God is good. God is good. That's the first thing I want you to understand. God is good. To Israel, He's good to us. Even to such as of our clean heart. The Bible says that we need to have a clean heart. How do you get a clean heart? By confessing sin, 1 John 1, 9. We need to admit, acknowledge that we have sin and that our sin is gross in the eyes of God because that's our sin individually nailed Jesus to the cross. That should be uh, something that we feel sorrow about. But if our hearts are hard, we will not. So that's why it's the first thing God wants us to do is to realize that He's good. God is good. And because God is good, He never leaves us. He tells us in Psalm 90 to teach me to number my days. Now, God does not want us to learn how to use multiplication. We learn that in the fifth or sixth grade. Or addition, we learn that in kindergarten. That's not what he's talking about, about numbering our days. Numbering our days, he said in that passage in Psalm 90, that we're blessed if we live 70 years. We're more blessed if we live 80 years. No man's going to live past 120 years, though. And because of that, our time, our life is but a vapor, appears for a little while, and then vanishes away. So it, we're, our, 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 our life is like uh, the sun comes out and scorches we're like a blade of grass and we could be burnt up that quickly. That's how quick life is in the eyes of God. So he's, the psalmist said, teach me to number my days. That means I, I'm so, because the days are evil, I'm supposed to redeem the time. That means purchase it back. That means use it more than once, the same period of time. And what, I, what the Lord wants us to see is, is that we should focus on the first thing is God's good. God is good to you. God is good to me. Just the thought of breathing, God's good air, and having good health. Many times the reason why we're going through that is because God wants us to understand we're temporary. So the things of our life are temporary. So where should our focus be? On those things that are eternal. Because the temporary is going to fade away. But the eternal is not. Caring about someone's soul is the most important thing in life. God left us, He saves us, and He leaves us in this world on purpose so that we could communicate the gospel to someone else. And to watch that just like a, a baby is born into the world, and all the excitement that goes on about the baby, and all, everybody wants to hold it and cuckoo with it and all that, but it should be more exciting to see someone come to Christ and be saved and have a new birth called eternal life. And then having that knowledge that they're saved, no matter what will happen to their life, that absent from this body will be present with the Lord. And to look forward to that. I'm 62 years old. I got saved when I was 20. And my wife and I, when we, we got saved pretty close to the same period of time, and uh, we were convinced that the Lord was going to return by 1984. Because when we got saved, we got saved with someone that, a preacher that was preaching a lot about the end times. So we were looking around, trying to figure out what were some of the signs of the end times in 1980. 
Well, now we're in 19, 20, uh, 2022. There's a whole lot more things going on today in the world that you can actually see in the Bible and Christians are deciding, oh, I've got more things important to do than to be close to the Lord. But I want you to remember what the psalmist had said in verse 28, we just read. But God is good for me. It is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God and I may declare all thy works. That's important to God. But notice what the psalmist had said in verse 2. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. So here he is. God's good. He knows God's good. And it's because he understands he's good because of a clean heart. Because God can forgive sin. I don't know if you know what the feeling is about working hard, getting totally filthy, coming home, taking a clean shower, putting clean clothes on, and getting into a clean bed and relaxing. I don't think there's anything more comfortable than that and satisfying than that. But the psalmist said, wait a minute, (laughs) my feet are slipping. Because if we're not careful, we'll take God's goodness for granted and we'll, our, the things of the world will are allow our hearts to get hardened and because we won't confess our sins, then all of a sudden we're going to find our lives slipping. Other people around us can notice. We miss church here. We decide we're not going to, we're going to show up late first. I almost was late today, <laughs> not because I wanted to be. But we'll show up late, we'll leave early, we don't want to talk to anybody. Those are all signs of starting to slip. Our spiritual responsibilities of the Word of God and prayer, well, it's amazing now how people don't even pray for their meals anymore. They don't even pray for their meals. They just take it for granted. They sit down in front of God and said, Don't put anything into your mouth until you receive it with thanksgiving. Why? Because it comes from God. Yes, you may have to go to work, and you went down to Shaw's, or you went to Stop and Shop, or Big Y, you got two, you got buy one, get two free. That two free just didn't come from you. That came from God. And God said, be thankful for it. But our lives will start slipping And so the psalmist says, slipping. Now, notice what it says in verse 3. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Envy. That is the burning desire in a heart to be ugly inside. And you're looking at someone else going, what's so special about them? Why do they get that? And I don't. With an attitude. Remember, what does verse 1 say? God is what? Good. God's the one that blesses. He's the one that gives. Every good gift comes down from the Father of light. Well, if your feet aren't slipping, you're not going to be envious about anything. You're going to be thankful. You're going to be blessing. You're going to be an encouragement. If God blesses somebody, praise the Lord that God saw fit they needed it. And encourage them in it. Why? Because somewhere along the line, you're going to need the encouragement also. 
And the Bible does tell us, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. We want to think that's that way with things, but it has to do more than that. It has to do with your joy. It has to do with your love. It has to do with your kindness. If you sow those things, you're going to reap those things. And the reaping is always more than the sowing. Do you know, I used to be, when I was a teenager, I worked on a farm. A vegetable farm, not tobacco, but a vegetable farm. I was in Connecticut. And um, on an ear of corn, there's like 200 kernels. You put one kernel, and most farmers put two or three kernels in the ground, and you and the stalk grows, and there's two ears that produce corn, about 200 kernels each. But it only t- took two ears. So what is the reaping of that sowing? Is a lot. It's unbelievable. The reaping is always more than the sowing. But when people don't do that which is right and don't believe God is good, then they're not sowing like they're supposed to. Remember, what's happening? Their feet are slipping. And if your feet are slipping, you're slipping. I don't like the wintertime so much anymore when I'm older because I slip. And I fall. And it hurts. So slipping is not an easy thing. It's a hurtful thing. And so what he said, I'm foolish. He goes, I'm envious at the foolish and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There are wicked people that have everything. When I was young in the ministry, I went down a neighborhood. There was a man that had gotten saved in jail. And he got out of jail. And he, put, he got saved in jail. He got out and he started doing well. He started building homes. He started in real estate. And he was living in a $500,000 home, which now would be almost $1.5 million home. And I was door knocking on his street and he came out and he said, Mark, I want to talk. I want to show you something. I said, man, this is a beautiful area. He said, it's deceiving though. He started pointing at all the houses. He said, that person right there, they're almost ready to get a divorce, that family. That one over there, their child is on drugs. That one over there, they're in the hospital. It, nobody was out. And there was about a dozen homes on the street. Almost every home that he pointed to that was beautiful on the outside and everything had a major catastrophe within it. He said, don't look at it. Don't be envious of those people. And they weren't saved people. So they're called wicked. Don't be envious of the wicked. So the psalmist had said that. Now notice what happened. Verse number uh, 5. It says, They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Here are the people that have prosperity. And uh, he was envious of them. And he looked at them and he said, they're not, They don't have troubles like other people. Not that you can see. Because they hide those things. And neither are they plagued like other men. They're not, they don't have plagues. They don't have sicknesses. They're out playing golf in, in, uh, in, on Saturdays. They're out taking uh, trips all over the world. They're not, they're not having anything. There's no, there's no need in their life. They're not struggling with anything. And notice what he said in verse number 9. They set their mouth against the heavens. Their tongue walketh through the earth. 
Okay, so here they are. They're prosperous. They're rich. All their physical needs are met. But yet the tongue. What does it say? What does it mean when it says they set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth? It means they have a perverse mouth. A perverse mouth comes from a perverse heart. And this is what the focus that the Lord is trying to show him, and he's realizing it as he's thinking this through, and the Lord's working in his heart. Verse number 10 says, Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, verse 11, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? They're questioning God. Who's God? Who does he know? He can't see anything. God's not around, but be careful. When your feet start slipping, that's the same thing that will come out of a Christian's mouth. A born-again believer. Someone who is a child of God. That God has worked and is starting to grow up and help, and there all of a sudden problems come in in our mouths because our heart is starting to slip away from the Lord. Our mouths speak wrong things. And I'm not just saying cussing or swearing. I'm talking about negativity. I'm talking about stuff that is discouraging. Constantly moaning and complaining about things. But go back to verse 1. God is what? Come on, say it. Good. Say it again. God is what? Good. That means He's holy. He's pure. He's righteous. There is nothing wrong with God. And so, if God allows us to go through things, He's doing it on purpose, but He's going to change it all around to be good. Everything in our lives. The only way that it can't be turned out for good is if we do not submit our lives to the Lord and allow Him to work whatever He's doing. The problems that you and I have in life is a scrub brush. Ladies, you know what a scouring pad is, right? When you do dishes, the pots, sometimes you leave it on the burner too long, it gets the, the pot on the bottom all black, you got to soak it. Well, the problems become the scrub brush, and what is it doing? You're scrubbing the pot clean until it's shiny again and it's useful again. It's not useful when it's filthy and it's dirty. can't use it. Now, you could try, but you're going to get sick again. So God uses the problems in our life as scrub brushes to get us ready for what? The church is called His what? Bride. Bride. One day we're going to have a marriage feast in heaven. Our redemption is drawing nigh. Our time that we're going to be in heaven is soon to happen. Everything that's going on around us is doing it. So what should it do? It should motivate the Christian to flock in the churches. No church pew should be empty. God is happy when His house is full. And a lot of people think that's just talking about heaven. No, it's talking about the, the local church. God's happy when it's full. He's not happy tonight. Now, we have problems because of the of sickness. We have problems because of the bad weather. And we don't want to put anybody into to hurtful situations. But listen, there's a whole lot of Christians that are saved that have just decided Wednesday night is not important anymore. Why? Wednesday night is about prayer. Wednesday night is the closest service to God. It's important to the Lord that we pray to Him. So obviously, there's many of God's children that don't think prayer is important. 
Because the power of prayer comes when we come together. Now, I pray a lot. I don't just pray specifically time, but I go through my day. The Lord said, and, and I take it literally, it says, pray without ceasing. And so I'm focusing on my job, and then when I have a break, I train myself to start praying about somebody. I think of somebody, or I think of a situation, or I think of what's going on around me, and I start praying for it. Why? Because the Lord said pray about everything. Well, do I see any benefit of the prayer? Yeah, over the process of time. But my praying is good for me to be close to the Lord. I enjoy speaking to the Lord and talking to the Lord. Because what happens is you start seeing things from God's perspective, not man's perspective. The reason why the psalmist is talking like this and he's envious of all, he's looking all around is because he's looking through his own eyes at this moment. But remember, there's going to be a change in a minute. And we're going to get there. And I want you to see this change. And I don't want to tell you what the change is. I want you to decide what the change is. Because remember, the title of today's Bible lesson is, What is your choice? Your choice. Don't worry about what somebody else is doing. But what is your choice? When you get to the judgment seat of Christ, you will not be there with anybody else but you and God. That's it. Nobody. And nobody's, the Lord's not going to put all your works on a big screen and everybody's going to see it. It's not going to happen. What is going to happen is, though, is God's going to take what His will was for your life. He's going to open the books. And obviously you're going to see that your name is in the book of life if you got saved. He also has a book of works. And He writes down everything we do and say and, and how we do it and, and what we do for works. He's going to take those and going to put it in the fire. And once it's in the fire, it's going to, uh, the, the things that were not good things are going to burn up, but the things that are good are going to be pure, like a metal, like gold, like, like rubies, like diamond. And those are the things that we get to pick up. The Lord will give us um, uh, our crowns, and they're like wreaths. And those are the things that we're going to lay at Jesus' feet in an act of worship. I'm guaranteeing you one thing. When I get to heaven, I do not want to have nothing left. I don't want to live my life so valueless that when the Lord puts my works in there, there's nothing left. And the Bible says there will be many that are saved so as by fire. That means they have nothing to be rewarded for. And the Lord said, be faithful. That's what's required. God gives us very few requirements. He wants us to love Him with all our heart, our mind, and soul. And He requires that a man be found faithful as a steward. We're a steward of God. And what's a steward? Steward is called a household manager. Means God has given me life, and He's allowed me to manage it. Plus, He's given me a spiritual gifts. He has given me talents and abilities, and He wants me to manage them in my life to use as service for Him, so that one day I will receive a reward. And God can use those things to work in people's lives now in this world. That is all temporary. So, notice what verse 12 says, Behold, these are the ungodly 
who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain. He said, I've confessed my sin in vain. It's useless, Lord. I've cleaned my heart in vain. I've washed my hands in innocency. Why should I be innocent? Let me just go out and just live it up. And unfortunately, there's many that are living their lives that way. Not lost people. I don't expect lost people to be anything else but lost. I don't expect lost people to be godly because they're without God. They're ungodly. I don't expect people, uh, lost people to want to come to church because God never commanded them to come to church. And it's sad that the Lord has to command His own children to be in church to worship Him. That's sad that He has to do that. But the problem is, is He does do that because He realizes we have a sinful nature. We have a godly nature, a born-again nature that does not sin. And we still have our, our fleshly nature that does sin. And whatever I feed or whatever I starve is going to be noticed. So if I want to be spiritual, it's a simple thing. I starve my fleshly nature. And I feed my spiritual nature. How do I feed my spiritual nature? Well, first of all, the Word of God is my food. I'm supposed to partake in it. I'm supposed to eat it. I'm supposed to allow it to wash me. I'm supposed to allow it to grow in the grace. And it's the milk. It's the meat. It's what I need spiritually to grow. So as I partake of that, and then I pray, and I communicate to God, and I ask Him, and God can... Listen, when my dad was raising me, my parents were raising me, my dad said, Mark, you could say anything to me so long as you say it respectfully. I could say anything to him other than swearing. I couldn't swear. But anything. And he would sit there calmly and listen. Anything. So long as I said it respectfully. You know what? I have the same feeling about God. I go to the Lord, and I get upset, and I cry, and I said, Lord, I don't understand this, and nobody else knows it. When I get out of my prayer closet or when I have my time alone, I don't talk bad about people. I don't talk about Why? Because I don't have to. I left it with the Lord. And it's up to the Lord what He's going to do with it. I'll remind Him once in a while, but you know what? Once I get to confess, it's done. But here the psalmist says, wait a minute. I've I've done this in vain. Look at verse 14. For all the day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. Lord, I've been disciplined every morning. It's getting tiring. I don't want to do this anymore. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I shall offend against the generation of thy children. And when, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Now here's the key. 17. Underline it, circle it, star it, highlight it, do whatever. But never forget this verse. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Somebody please tell me, what is the sanctuary of God? What? Oh, you got it. Now, a lot of churches call their sanctuary... Um, an auditorium. I call it a sanctuary. Because when I walk into the church, I love the church. I love the church because it's the people. That's the first thing. But I love the meeting place of the people. 
And the reason is, is because this is where lots of praying had gone on for all these years. This church was started in, what, 1862? That's a lot of praying going on. That's a lot of church service. That's a lot of singing. That's a lot. And the Lord said his house was going to be a house of what? Prayer. That's exactly right. Prayer. So the psalmist is saying, wait a minute, I'm thinking about all this stuff. The reason why people are down in the mouth and allow their chin to rub through the ground, like earlier in the the chapter, is because they're not in the sanctuary. They're not in the sanctuary. And the Lord said in Hebrews, that was during the time, you know why Hebrews is important? Yes, we know it's the hall of faith and everything. But Hebrews, all Hebrews is about is to show the Jews that Christ, Jesus Christ, the Savior, is better than anything else. That's what the book of Hebrews is about. And the Lord said in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, verse number 25, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together. Why? Because it is God's working in here. You come to hear a message of encouragement, or sometimes a message that points a finger, and the Holy Spirit will work on it. Sometimes you gotta, uh, the preaching of the Bible will get to your heart, and you've got to confess some things. God points things out on purpose. And then we're around here, we're to stir each other up to love and good works. The preaching will sometimes be hard and go right to the heart. That's what God intends because it's His Word. That's the surgery that He's doing. This is called a hospital also, by the way. And God's doing surgery in the hearts of people. But there needs to be other people who the Lord's already done surgery and they're healing... And because they're healing, they can come alongside of somebody, just like the Holy Spirit does, and encourage them. Saying, brother, I'm going to pray for you. Why? Because I was there one time, too. I knew what my life was like before I got saved. And I knew what the struggles were after I did get saved. Well, you know what? People are still the same. Our hearts are the same. Times have changed. People wear the, the different things and that kind of stuff. But the people are the same. They have the same souls. They have the same hearts. They have the same minds. And God said, when you come into the house of God, do not forsake your son. And so much the more as you say the day approaching. There is not, I can't, listen, you got to hit me off the top of the head. What else has to happen in our world for Christians to be able to see that the Lord's return is soon? What else has to happen? Do you know what the Lord had to tell the Jewish nation? What, what's wrong? Bring everything I've done wrong to you. Bring it up. Come on. Tell me. Tell me what I did wrong. If God would sit down with each one of us one-on-one right now, I think he'd look at our lives and go, wait, 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 wait. This is not what I intend you to live like. I really didn't. So when we get to see, see Jesus face to face, this is what he's going to record. We're not in a race against somebody else. He's going to take what God's perfect will is that he established for my life, and he's going to take what I did do, and he's going to match it. And then that's when he's going to sit down and say, look, Mark, you did this. I told you to do this. 
you were convicted about it, but you just got hard-hearted and you got an attitude, and because of it, this happened. See, he's gonna, he's, those things are going to be pointed out with me personally. So that's why the Lord said, listen, as you see the day approaching. Because the psalmist said, when I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. I'm not envious anymore. I'm not upset anymore. My, fleet, my feet aren't slippery anymore. I don't think I got it that bad. Yes, God, you are good. Thank you for saving my soul. And that's why he said in verse 23, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Continually. Thou hast holden up my right hand. The psalmist is now speaking to the Lord about this. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterwards receive me to glory. Yeah. The Bible says in Isaiah 1.18, Come now and let us reason together, thus saith the Lord. We do not serve an unreasonable God. The devil tries to think, oh, living a Christian life is too hard for you. It's only too hard if you rebel. That's it. When my children were growing up, I looked at them when they got to be, they understand, seven, eight, you're going to have an easy time in this home. I don't have a lot of rules. All you got to do is obey. That's it. When I ask you to do something, when your mother asks you to do something, just go do it. I'm not going to do anything that's going to hurt you. Isn't that the same thing the Lord should, we should have the same thinking about God? Is there anything that my God's going to hurt me with? No. But you know what? If I exercise muscles that I haven't used, they hurt. Because <laughs> I don't have exercise. The Lord will exercise our faith. That's no doubt. Why? So we're strong. The Lord does not want us to be weaklings. I'm not talking about Johnny Atlases, but I'm talking about being able to stand on our two feet in a world that is wicked. And the Lord already promised in, uh, in uh, uh, John 17, 17, that he, he said when he was praying to the Father, he said, Lord, don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil, evil one. That's Satan. I don't want my children to go to the way of the devil. I don't want my children to go to the way of the devil either, by the way. So I raised them in a Christian home. It was not easy. Parenting is not easy. And I'm glad my kids are not in my home now. They're all grown. And they're doing very well. Why? Because they looked at Daddy and said, Okay, Daddy, we'll obey. Did they obey everything I said? No. They had to be suspended. They got detentions. They had to get spankings. They did that. But everything was biblical. And I didn't hide anything from the world from them. But they never saw their father drinking. They never saw us cussing. They never saw us smoking. They never saw us unfaithful. We did not have yelling matches in our home. We didn't have slammed doors in our home. Nothing. Why? Because it's a sanctuary that we can relax. That's what goes on in the world. It doesn't go on in our home. And it doesn't go on in the church. The only reason why a church is worldly is because people that are sinners, and sinners are going to come in, and they're not going to be right with God. That's why the preaching of the Word of God and the music is supposed to prepare their heart 
and the preaching of the Word of God is going to show them. The Lord's going to start working in their hearts. And after the process of time, it depends on the person and how much they're willing to submit, anybody listening to the Word of God and understanding the Gospel can be saved. Anybody. At any time. And that's our job as God's children, is to make that sure. So when you come in, when you get all beside yourself, I say, oh, I'm not going to come to church. I wasn't. I had this one guy. He said, I'm not living right. He said, I love you. I love Mrs. Davis. And he'd been out of church. He said, but I got to tell you right now, I'm not living right. I looked at him and I said, you want to know something? That doesn't surprise me. I already knew you weren't living right. But I still want you to come to church. But I can't. Why? Because I'm not living right. Well, where are you going to get right? Not in your kitchen table. Not in a bar stool somewhere. You're going to get right in church. So I want you to understand. So what is the whole key of the whole lesson? What's your choice? What is your choice? I've already made the choice a long time ago. My choice is the same choice the psalm made. He said... Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. I don't get upset when people have better things than me. Because I go into the sanctuary. This is what happens in the sanctuary. God calms everything down. Everything's quiet. God calms it down. He'll take our inner, you know, we are all strife. We're all worried about this. And we want to go do this. And, oh, oh the time. Oh, no, uh, 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 calm down. God says, you're in my home now. I have my standards. I have my rules. And my rules is peace. Come unto me. I'm reasonable. Come unto me. Come down to the altar. Come to me. And I'll reason with you. I'll encourage you. I'll give you rest. I'll help you. That's what God says. But the devil will say, Psh, it's a bunch of baloney. Coming into the church, See so-and-so over there, they didn't even shake your hand. They, they look bad towards you. They must have something against you. Oh, look, they're not even going, they're going to talk to you at all. They, that's what the devil says. You're not wanted. So if you're not wanted, why are you here? That's what the devil starts whispering in people's ears. So that's why it's important. And you folks, listen, the church has been very good. I watch the, I watch the people, how they, uh, preachers do this. We watch, we gauge the value of messages many times on what happens after the service. When I start seeing people sticking around, talking to so-and-so, and smiling and happy and encouraging one another, and I see somebody praying with somebody, somebody talking with somebody back and forth, somebody asking questions and doing that, oh, that's exciting stuff. Why? Because we're in the house of God, and whatever God did in a person's hearts, He calmed it all down because it's a sanctuary. This is the place where all our thinking can be leveled out, where God can work on us. So don't ever miss church unless you have to. I, listen, before COVID, you, nothing could keep me out of church. Nothing. I'd be sick. I'd be in a corner somewhere, boo-hooing, and uh, nobody would know. I'd just suck on cough drops because I'm, I'm coming to church. I'm not staying home from church. I told my wife when the kids were little, she goes, dear, I think so-and-so sick. That means I don't think we'll be able to go to church today. I said, well, first of all, I decide who's sick and who's not. So the kids would go, yeah, yeah, I'm sick. 
I said, let me see. Open your mouth. Nah. What you do this? Nah, you're not sick. Come on, you're going. Get some orange juice in you. Give you a cough drop. You're coming to church. And I did. And I had an office. Obviously, I worked in the church. I had an office. I said, well, if you're really sick, you're going to go lay down in my office. And in every office, we had a speaker that you could hear the service. So you couldn't even go into the bathrooms without hearing the services. Why? Because it's important to be in church, to get that encouragement. I'm glad you folks are here tonight because you need to make that choice. You already did. But there's going to be a whole lot of people that you come in contact with that haven't made that choice yet. And you'll hear, you'll hear it. And you don't, you got, just got to be nice to people. But you, you guess it. Well, wait, 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 wait. Come on. You haven't been in church in what? How long? What? Once a month is okay? You think that Lord's going to, what is the Lord going to say about that? And all the excuses are going to start flying. Boom, 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 boom. So you know what, brother? I'm going to pray for you. But you know what? All the excuses you just gave me, according to the Bible, the Lord's not going to accept them. I'm sorry. You've got to come into the church. Get your life calmed down. Decide to do that. And that's why the psalmist said in verse number 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Let's bow forward to prayer. But before I end in prayer, maybe you're sitting here today, and obviously you're here tonight, so you made a decision to come. But remember, have you been looking at other people and been envious of what they're doing in their lives? Have you been upset with the Lord about how your life has been going? You seem to struggle a lot more than others. That dissatisfaction is going to grow. And you may not be out of church today, but whatever the opportunity, and some people look for the opportunity and go, well, I'm not going to be missed this Sunday. I'm going to skip it. I'm going to go do something else. That's when God's going to work in your life, but you're not there to receive it. Every major decision I've made in my Christian life has been in church, every one. And it's been because of the preaching of the Word of God. Because I allowed the Lord to work in my life when I came to church. I look forward to it. And I'm always excited in the afternoon. Mrs. Davis and I, we talk about what the Lord did in our personal lives when we're at church. And it's exciting to see what God does. So maybe in this quietness of this moment, you'll just pray and offer, whisper a prayer to the Lord right now. Maybe you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. My attitude, my thinking, nobody knows it. I've never spoke out loud, but you know what it is. And I ask you to forgive me. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the psalmist. And Lord, he was very transparent. We know that this is your word. And that, Lord, we saw that he was envious. He had the same problems we have. We get discouraged. Our, our steps get slippery because we focus on the wrong things. We know you're good. We, we, we've memorized those verses. We know it. But, Lord, today we had a hard time pointing out any goodness because we complain most of the time. Lord, please forgive us.
Please help us, especially during these last days. We know that the Bible says there's going to be an apathy. We know that there's going to be a backsliding. But it doesn't have to happen. And it doesn't have to happen here. And I pray for your people, your children, that they would see the importance 